Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Word Processing. My name is Andrew, I'm one of the pastors at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel, and I'm here joined with Josiah. Josiah, good to see you. Good to see you too. We're going to take a little deviation from the norm here today, and uh, rather than talking about a specific sermon, we're going to look at some content from our website, actually, that you've been uh, writing and preparing for a while now, or I guess a while ago. Uh, It was a series of eight blog posts entitled, Is the Bible All We Need? For one reason or another, I keep referencing these posts in, in my own posts and in this podcast, I think, even just because I think it is one of those perennial issues that we keep coming back to. what do we know about scripture? What do we believe from scripture? What is scripture to us? And you really covered a lot of those issues in these posts. And I thought today we're going to discuss a bit about the content of that. We don't want to rehash everything from that, but hopefully, um, you know, be a reminder for those who have read the articles and maybe interest you in in going to check out those articles if you haven't checked them out on our website at oakridgebiblechapel.org. I thought as we dive in, just can you maybe give just a brief explanation about that series and maybe why you decided to write on that topic? Sure. I wanted to write it for two main reasons, probably. One being I wanted to learn more about it. Sure. And there's something clarifying about the writing process for me when I have to research and articulate exactly what I believe. That helps me a lot. And so... When I see a potential hole in my understanding of who God is, how he works, things about his word, I want to write something about it. It forces me to research. It forces me to be very accurate. And so that was probably one of the main reasons Mm -hmm. I set out to write a a piece on the sufficiency of Scripture. The other one is that of the doctrine of the Bible, the sufficiency of Scripture seems to be one that's often misunderstood or neglected altogether. Mm -hmm. I found, and this is just anecdotal, but I find that we'll talk about the authority of Scripture. We'll talk about its inerrancy, its infallibility. These are words we throw throw around a little bit more uh, than others. The sufficiency, though, of Scripture doesn't come up as often, and when it does, sometimes mishandled. But I also think that today, in our day and age, the sufficiency of Scripture is the battleground, or one of the significant battlegrounds for Christianity. Is the Bible enough? Is it all we need for life and godliness? Or should we be looking for more revelation? Should we be looking for more insights from the world to do Christianity, Hmm. for lack of a better term, better? And so it's just pressing in so many ways. And so that's why I set out to kind of explore this issue a um, a little bit more. And the post itself is just, I just set out to try to define sufficiency, to, to show where it is in the Bible and how it's illustrated there in the Bible, uh, discuss why it's important uh, for Christian worldview, hmm. which is probably the crux of the entire piece is this idea of why we need it. Why do we need it for the Christian sure. life? Uh, and then offer some hopefully practical implications of this doctrine for us today. So that was kind of the the scope of the the writing? Well, that works really well because the kind of little points that you hit on there kind of outline some of the questions that I wanted to go into. So why don't we just start just to make it super clear so we're all on the same page here. How would you define sufficiency of Scripture or, or what does that mean when we talk about Scripture's sufficiency versus, say, its infallibility or those other topics that we think mm-hmm. about? Yeah, really, to say it crudely, is it all we need? Hmm. Is it sufficient? Is it enough? That's the yeah. question. Theoretically, God could have given us a perfect and authoritative word that was also incomplete Hmm. in theory. He could have done that, that what we have is authoritative, 
but it's not enough for all we need, I guess. And uh, or else the word is in need of supplementation, or at least it's not opposed to being having supplements being to added it, on right? To. Yeah, sure. But is that what he did give us? That's the question. Or is what he gave us is it enough for? Uh, the purposes that he's given it to us. And obviously, I, I don't think so. I think it is enough. Mm-hmm. It is enough that, that it doesn't need supplementation. It is all that we need. And I don't think the Bible itself teaches that it needs supplementation. I think mm-hmm. it assumes its sufficiency. And so that's where I understand uh, sufficiency to come in. So maybe kind of on the flip side then, I feel like I've been recently seeing a lot of mischaracterizations of the idea of Scripture sufficiency or those who hold to sufficiency of Scripture. You kind of even alluded to it a moment ago. Sometimes people want to straw man it into something it's really not. And I'm wondering, have you seen this sort of argument or mischaracterization and how would you respond to it? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's misunderstood a lot. And like I said, it's one of the reasons I wanted to get it clear in my mind and to mm-hmm. write it down. When we talk about the sufficiency of scripture, I think it's important first to understand what it doesn't mean because that's where the straw yes. man's come in. When we talk about straw man's, for those who don't know, that's when you're in an argument with someone when I misrepresent, whether out of ignorance or intentionality, the other person's view and present it as a dumbed down version so that I can burn it or mm-hmm. defeat it more easily. Knock and it, it gives the impression that I've just wasted their argument. But in actuality, I've just uh, beaten a very dumbed down version of a their caricature. argument. Yeah, yeah. Car- exactly. A caricature. And so, which is typically the case when it comes to sufficiency because people don't understand what it means. It doesn't mean that the Bible can do anything. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to understand (laughs) because that's so easily debunked, right? Um, To rightly grasp sufficiency, we need to understand its relationship with intended purpose. And that's with everything. Mm. The claim that something is enough, quote unquote, only has meaning relative to that for which it was provided. I mean, we know this intuitively. It almost doesn't need explanation, but unfortunately it does sometimes. So you think of a teacher's salary. I think I in the in the article or in the blog post, I, I mentioned this illustration that a teacher's salary, we would say it's sufficient for the economic needs of a family living in urban Canada in the 21st century. It's enough for them to live on. Uh, some would argue that, but that- it ought to be. In <laughs> theory, yes. right, in theory. It is not- Political su- podcast now. Yes, yes. that's right. <laughs> it is not sufficient. That salary is not sufficient for the national debt. Hmm. It's not provided for that. The employer did not not provide it for that purpose. Same with a hammer. A hammer is sufficient for the task of driving nails into lumber. It is not sufficient to make a sandwich. I mean, we just know these things. It is not, oh, you're thinking about it Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. (laughs) But we see the the combination Mm -hmm. now of its sufficiency and for the purpose it was intended. Those two things have to go uh, together, when these two concepts are divorced from one another, the, the result can be confusion, disappointment, wrongful dismissal of the claim itself—a straw man, mm-hmm. really. So, when we say it's scripture is sufficient, someone may say, "Oh, it can't tell you how to do this, that, and the other thing. It can't tell you how to fix your car." So, yeah, that's right, but that wasn't its sure. purpose, and so yeah. that does not burn down the argument uh, at all. And so that's what we need to be very clear about. So, when it's claimed that the scriptures are sufficient, a necessary follow-up question has to be for what? For what? Yes. Yeah, so, sc- when we say is the Bible all we need, it's the Bible is all we need for blank. Yeah, sufficient to what end? Mm-hmm. Like to what end game was it given? For what purpose were they given? Sure. And we know in God's wisdom and providence, he has not left us guessing as to how to answer that question. He has told us in his word what its purpose is for. Mm-hmm. And in the writing, I, I highlight a couple of texts or three texts looking at 
how to answer that question. Look at Psalm 19, which David is writing, and he clearly says, here's the beauty of God's word, and here's mm-hmm. why it was given. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we see that God's word is, is breathed out by God and useful for blank, 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 like it says right mm-hmm. there why it was given. And then I look at briefly Jesus in his temptations in Matthew 4 and how he used scripture. How did he defeat the enemy? Mm-hmm. How, how did he thwart Satan in his weakest moment? It is written. It is written. Go, Satan, for it is written. Right? And so he demonstrates the sufficiency of scripture. So not only does scripture itself claim it is enough and for what purpose, mm-hmm. but also it demonstrates in our Lord Jesus Christ how he used it to accomplish those ends. I think that's a really good example, especially at the end there where you talk about Jesus' temptations. Because, of course, one of his temptations was to, you know, he was starving, he was hungry. He did not physically eat the scriptures, right? When he talks when he talks about, you know, being the bread of life, he's not physically eating the words of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we would understand that holding up a Bible is not sufficient for keeping us alive, alive as a physical human being. It does not provide physical sustenance. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he needed in that moment. He didn't need that physical sustenance. What he needed was a response to the temptation um, that the devil was giving him. Uh, That's right. And to answer your question about how people have misunderstood it and why they do that, I mean, scriptures are convicting. Mm -hmm. And they call us to something significant and at times painful, self-denial, to become more like Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And any way in my flesh I can get around that uh, I will probably try to do that if mm-hmm. I'm not careful, and, and other people do as well, I think. And so if I can ignore or sidestep or reject the sufficiency of Scripture, I can also sidestep some of the demands it's making on my life. Let me just read this one example from mm-hmm. Scripture that I mentioned. I mentioned it briefly just a second ago, but in Second Timothy chapter 3, it's a passage that If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've heard. Mm -hmm. But Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, all scripture, so that's all of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. all in Greek means all. So all all scripture. Don't need to do a deep word study on that. No, all scripture is inspired by God. And we know that that means breathed out. It's Mm -hmm. an extension of him. And so it carries with it the characteristics of God in a way that Mm -hmm. it cannot err. You know, God cannot lie, and so Scripture cannot err. That's how we get the, the doctrine of inerrancy, mm-hmm. uh, this text and others. So all Scripture is inspired by God, and here it comes, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so right there, we have a purpose statement of the mm-hmm. Scriptures. Why is it given? It's breathed out by God so that we may be sufficient to do the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. So the Scriptures are enough to make us enough to accomplish what God wants us to do. Hmm. Not to make a sandwich, not to build a building, not to fix a car, but to make us godly. Hmm. So if we as God's people, if that is our desire, our heart's desire is to become more like Christ, and as a church we want to help one another, disciple one another toward that end goal, we need nothing other than the scriptures to do that because that's what they've said they are enough to do. And I think that's, that is what we need to keep coming back to because I feel like the, the biggest mischaracterization I see of this topic is, is right in that. There, people want to address it as claiming to do something it's not claiming to do. People want to say, well, oh, but your Bible doesn't have an answer for this problem or your Bible doesn't solve this or your Bible doesn't make you do this. But again, you made it very clear. It is giving us what we need for the purpose 
of godly living and pursuing mm-hmm. godly living, which mm-hmm. is, is, it has to be the foundation. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Last night I was in a Bible study with some people and we were looking, we were looking through Ephesians and Ephesians chapter six, we come near the end of the letter and Paul's talking about family relations. He's mm. talking specifically about fathers and children and how fathers should behave around their children and rear them. Someone who's more cynical or misunderstanding the doctrine of sufficiency may look at that and say, there's not a whole lot there. Like, it's like three verses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's clearly not enough to help us rear children. Sure. It doesn't say anything about diapers. It doesn't th- say anything about uh, homeschooling or public school. It doesn't say anything about Sle- any of these sleep issues. Sleep training method. Sleep We'd be training. going through that. My wife so and I right now. So it's clearly not <laughs> sufficient, <laughs> yes. right? The problem is, is that they misunderstand the context of Ephesians. Because if we see in Ephesians, if we go back up further in the book, we go through a section on marriage, on husbands and wives, and you could say the same thing there. It's not enough. It doesn't mm-hmm. have enough information to address every need my wife and I come across. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have enough there. But then you keep climbing in the verse in the passage and you come to chapter 5, verse 18, where this is the fuel for all of these relationships. He says, do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. So is the scripture sufficient? It's saying, be filled with the Spirit. That's the command. Be filled, Walk according to the Spirit. Be so godly. And guess what happens to all your relationships? Whether it be husband and wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, father, daughter, whatever the case may be, they all improve, but the fuel is up in the passage. And so a lot of times when people balk at the sufficiency of scripture, it's because they probably aren't reading scripture rightly. Yes, that's a really good point. To yes. be honest. <laughs> or at all. <laughs> or they're misunderstanding the claim of sufficiency. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is it is enough. It claims it's enough. It has been shown to be enough mm-hmm. for centuries. And we need to defend that doctrine and lean into that doctrine as 21st century people of God and rest in that doctrine, to be honest, and not need to go searching around for new revelation, new information, novel approaches. I mean, that is the that is such a battle in our day and age, and maybe it's always been, but this desire for novelty, hmm. that if it's new, it is got to be better, right? And we'd say, no, Christianity is an ancient faith. It is something that's been passed down, and we defend what is old, defend the faith that's been once for all passed down to the saints, right? Given to the saints. So we're not looking for something novel. We look for what is sufficient in the ancient. Hmm. And one of the big main points that this discussion of scripture sufficiency always gets back to, or needs to get back to, I think, is final authority. And you've alluded to it a little bit today. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is to say, you know, to make sure, again, we're all on the same page. What is our foundational worldview? Correct me if I'm mischaracterizing this, but our foundational worldview that everything else kind of gets run through. I know there's a a diagram on one of the pages of, you know, the different lenses that Mm -hmm. we, in front of a person's eyes, Mm -hmm. how we see the world, how we make decisions and understand things. So as Christians, we would say that scripture is our final authority, but perhaps we might have inconsistencies in our lives where we don't operate as though that's always the case. For sure. So this is kind of, I guess, a two-part question, but what would you say are some common pitfalls or blind spots maybe that you've seen uh, in your own life or in, in other people's lives when it comes to this issue of, of consistently living out the fact that Scripture is our final authority and then following into how do we strengthen that foundation? One of the major pitfalls or blind spots most of us struggle with is that we forget that we have a worldview that needs to be cultivated and honed and guarded. Ignorance is the enemy at times, or naivete is the Mm -hmm. enemy. If I'm not aware that 
the way I see the world and process truth claims is under attack, then my guard will be down. Listen, every single one of us is being discipled. Mm -hmm. The question is, what are we being discipled by? Are we being discipled by Christ, by his church, by his word? Or are we being discipled by the world? Mm -hmm. You know, again, we are all being discipled. We are all being conformed into some image. The question is, by whom and into what? Mm -hmm. And so one of the first pitfalls is the ignorance of this worldview that we need to guard and think about how do I build a biblical worldview? How do I protect that worldview? How do I pass that worldview on to the people around me, to the Mm. kids in my home, to my significant others, to my family members? How do we help one another uh, do that? How do we then process the truth claims through those lenses, those those worldview lenses and the biblical worldview ultimately, like you said, it's our final authority. Um, so that would be the big one, I think, is just realize that you have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Be aware. Be aware. And it is always under attack. And it takes a great amount of prayerful intentionality to guard it and to shape it and to strengthen it and to activate it, to mm-hmm. use it properly. Secondly, I would say... You have to know the Bible increasingly to have a foundation. Of you mean to knowledge. have a biblical worldview? Yeah. I need to to read the Bible. Yeah. So <laughs> going back to Ephesians again, if I am not aware of Ephesians five and six, mm-hmm. then that information that God has given us for the purpose of shaping our homes to please Him and to honor Him, I don't have access to. Mm-hmm. If I'm not aware it's there, yeah. it can't shape my worldview. So obviously, we want to be growing on our knowledge of that foundation that is sufficient at the same time. And so know that you have a worldview and then get to know that which is supposed to be the foundation of that worldview. And the third, I would say, and we've already kind of alluded to this, but be around others with the same worldview, Mm -hmm. which is just discipleship, you know, to buffer against the blind spots and the noetic effects of the fall, which is the fall affects our minds Mm -hmm. and our ability to hold a biblical worldview. We need to be around other people like-minded that can help us pursue that. So yeah, I, I think that that would be where I would start probably. Yeah. Well, and you touched on immediately in there, not only what are the pitfalls, but how do we how do we counter against them? Yeah. And, and it's a hard thing, right, to think biblically about all truth claims. I mean, even just saying it sounds exhausting. Mm-hmm. Ugh, like I have to think through all of these. I have truth claims thrown at me every single minute of every single day. Mm-hmm. It is tiring. But yeah. there's a lot at stake as well. Well, and I think it's funny how often we, that might be a, dissuading factor i guess for us when it comes to studying the word and yet arguments like that would hold no sway over other aspects of our life that require putting in effort Mm -hmm. like we wouldn't we wouldn't look and say well my kids are always gonna like try and disobey me so what's the point of having any discipline whatsoever i'll just let them do whatever they want you know or someone who plays sports well the other team's gonna gonna keep trying to go against us so i better not prepare for what they might throw at us Mm -hmm. like who who cares it's not worth the effort yeah I mean, we, we find ways to explain away objections in, in so many aspects of our life. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important that we remind ourselves that this is, you know, this is a, a hill worth dying on, mm-hmm. uh, something that's important for us to be building up. And you notice when you come to corporate worship at Oak Ridge, for example, that scripture informs everything that we do in that time. And that's very intentional. That's not accidental. It's very intentional because we believe scripture is sufficient. Mm-hmm. We believe that our God is a God who 
wants to be worshipped, yep. but he wants to be worshipped in certain ways. He has shown and he's told us ways he wants to be worshipped, and we believe that the scriptures are sufficient to shape us, not only in how we worship, but in how we are edified, how we build one another up, how we evangelize. And so everything that we do is supposed to be biblical. Hmm. And that you'll notice that, hopefully, when you come to, to worship. The songs we sing are very tethered to Scripture. The prayers we pray have elements of Scripture sprinkled through them, mm-hmm. if the, if not Scripture explicitly. Directly, yeah. yeah uh, when we go to the Lord's Supper, please turn in your Bibles. When we preach, when we sit under the preach word, the word is open. Everything that we do is scriptural. And that is not because we're lazy and because it's just easy. We don't have to think for ourselves. You know, let's just go to the Bible. I don't want to have to be creative today. No, no. It's because we think that God has given us what we need for what he's called us to do. As a, what God has to say is more important than what we have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good example. So like, of what is my final authority? Most of us, I would say, probably operate when we're not thinking, our default mode is that the flesh is our final authority. Yeah. Myself, me. Myself, my feelings, my intuitions, yep. my sensibilities. You know, that offends me, therefore it's wrong. Uh, that is probably our default mode. Yep. It takes a lot of work. And let's be honest, it takes the Holy Spirit indwelling us and helping us kill sin to make Scripture the basis for our worldview. Mm-hmm. It's effort. It, it's constant effort. Yeah. Well, just as we wrap up today, Josiah, you know I'm a sucker for a good illustration. Um, one of the illustrations that you used in your uh, your article series is the illustration of a set of golf clubs. And I know you are a, an avid golfer. I've heard that you, you golf a lot. Like I would say at least once every two or three years. Yeah, yeah. that's about the same as me, actually. Yeah. But you use the illustration of golf clubs. Um, I know it's on the post and people listening can just go read it themselves. I encourage you to, in fact, but... Maybe you can briefly give us a bit of a rundown on that example. I think it works so well for this understanding. Sure. And, and the illustration is helpful because this is a hard doctrine. Sure. You know, especially if this is the first time you're hearing and thinking about the sufficiency of Scripture, that Scripture is enough mm-hmm. for the purpose for which it was given. It can be a bit of a head scratcher. Sure. And so sometimes illustrations help to give us some handles that we can, we can grasp when we think about these uh, lofty but necessary teachings. Um, so I just like in Scripture too, like you said, a, a bag of golf clubs. So a set of golf clubs represents a singularity of purpose and a variety of function hmm. all at once. Uh, let me explain that. So a, a complete set includes 14 clubs. I had to actually look that up because I think mine, I got it at a garage sale and there's four clubs in there or something I like that. I don't have 14 in mine. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> so a complete set, FYI, huh. is 14 clubs. And they're if you all... learned nothing else from this podcast today, you have now learned how many golf clubs. You're all now better golfers. <laughs> yeah. And they're all designed for hitting a little white ball. So they have a singularity of purpose. Every single one of them has the same purpose, um, but each in unique ways. So they have variety of function, right? And so they have a singularity of purpose, but variety of functions. Some provide low and long trajectories, others high and short. Some are engineered for sand traps, fairways, tee boxes, the green, all these different ways. So there are clubs that will be used uh, once or twice in a round and others that will be used with more regularity. Mm -hmm. But they're all in this set that have one purpose. Uh, When a golfer steps onto a course with a complete set of golf clubs, they're carrying with them, we could say, all they need to play the game and play the game well. Now, their final score will depend on how effective they are at at using the tools that they have and selecting the right tools along the way. But in theory, they have all that they need Mm -hmm. to play it well and to play it with the best people in the world. Now, to add something to that bag that is not a golf club, to add a hockey stick or a tire iron or a, or a leaf blower, um, that is not going to be 
helpful. That's not going to help in the game, right? No matter how much I believe it's going to help, mm-hmm. this is the this is the a key issue. No matter how much I believe that tire iron is going to help my golf game, it's not going to help. Mm-hmm. In fact, it may even distract me from using the proper tools at the proper time. That's a good one. Right? Yep. What the set of golf clubs provides the golfer, we would say, is sufficient for the purposes of the game they are about to play, you know, for the ultimate goal that they were designed for. While skill in using them is, a, is another matter altogether, and you and I would be uh, a testimony to that fact that we have uh, clubs that do not work. I think mine are broken. but Well, I think that fits the illustration, though, is, it, is this idea that like you can have a full set of golf clubs, and until you practice with them, you're kind of wasting your time. I'd say it's the same with Scripture. We might say we have these resources to do what it says it can do, but we still have to put in effort and, and practice and study exactly. to get the most out of it. Exactly. So it's the exact same on a golf course. Like two different people, someone who actually plays a lot mm-hmm. and me could use the same set of golf clubs and get very different results, sure. even though in theory we have everything we need to play the game well. And the Bible in the post, I just likened the Bible to the Christian's golf bag, hmm. right? It's a collection of books representing a singularity of purpose and a variety of function. The canon, the whole of scripture was given that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work, as we just mm-hmm. read from Second Timothy, which yeah. is a singularity of purpose. The whole thing was given for that purpose and that we would be progressively conformed to the image of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. However, the individual books and the little sections even in those books, the paragraphs in those books, they present unique thrusts, which is the variety of function that all contribute to that common goal of making us more like Christ. Hmm. Right? So it's like the, the, the clubs in the golf bag. Um, some sections will be used more than others, just like some clubs are used more than others. But when they're used properly and at the appropriate moments and for the purposes for which they were designed, which is key, they are ideal for the task. Just like a sand wedge is ideal for the task, even if you only use it once in a mm-hmm. whole round. It is ideal for that task. Now, the skill with which a Christian uses scripture will vary and can be improved with prayerful practice, as you just mentioned, and mm-hmm. dependent care. And, and we need to grow in our ability to use them properly. But the potential effectiveness of each section of the Bible is perfect for that which it was given. And to add, take away from, or mishandle its contents is to do ourselves and the quote-unquote, the game that we're playing, which is to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, it would be to do that game a disservice, Mm -hmm. just like using a leaf blower on the golf course. And so that's the sufficiency of Scripture. We've been given all we need. Will we use it and use it well and learn to use it the best we can? Mm -hmm. And we dare not add, take away from, or alter what we've been given for the purpose we've been given it. Mm -hmm. I just love the depths to which that illustration can go because, I mean, you talk about tire irons and leaf blowers, but you could even just reduce it down to... I mean, yes, technically you could putt the ball into the hole with your driver, but you're probably going to get better results with your putter, at least if you practice and learn to do it properly, Mm -hmm. because each thing is designed with a purpose. And on the flip side, you can use golf clubs for things other than golfing if you so desire to, Mm -hmm. but that is not the purpose that they are created for. Yeah, I could use my putter to drive nails into lumber. Yeah. But it's not going to work as well. Or to make a sandwich, (laughs) obviously, to make a sandwich. Yes, we've all done that one. We've all tried that one. But again, the scriptures are sufficient for the purpose for which they were given. And we need to reclaim that doctrine, the sufficiency of scripture, and lean on it and to trust it. When the Bible says it's enough, it's enough. It's enough to accomplish what it needs to accomplish. We don't need to go looking for outside help. Hmm. And the implications of this are widespread. We tend to look for leadership gurus Mm -hmm. or counseling masterminds or 
the newest way to accomplish X, Y, Z, all these different issues with these new people with new insights. Listen, just go back to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, it has stood the test of time. It is enough to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. If it's not there, you know, God probably doesn't want us to accomplish it. So let mm-hmm. it go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, if, again, if you have not checked out these posts on our website, I highly encourage you to go check it out. Uh, if you haven't seen, our website's been completely redone recently, and there's a lot of great resources on there. If you click on the eighth post um, entitled, Is the Bible All We Need? Part 8, I believe it is, um, you'll have little buttons there. You can access all eight parts of the post. I think it's, a again, as you said, Josiah, at the beginning, a very important issue, one that's related to all aspects of our life and our worldview and, and something that we should all be honing up on a little bit as we look into life in this world. Well, thanks for sitting down with me, Josiah. Thank you, listener, for being with us today. And until we meet again, uh, God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.